This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, a show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is California-based author of books about teenagers fighting paranormal forces, Joshua Moore. In addition to writing, Joshua Moore also runs a cross-platform production company called Inside Joke. Here is my conversation with Joshua Moore. Joshua Moore, welcome to the Story King podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? What is the story of Joshua Moore thus far? Oh, man, that's, depending on your point of view, very interesting and very boring. <laughs> I grew up in Downey, California, which is where they built the Apollo shuttles. Hmm. Not at the same time. I didn't grow up then, but grew up there for a while and then uh, moved around, got married at 21 because I'm very boring. I've uh, got two kids, not a lot going on, really. Nothing super interesting has happened to me. <laughs> well, how old are your kids? That's the having uh, kids is super interesting. I got my, three my, of them. My, my son <laughs> is nine and my daughter's seven. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's fun cause they're, they're both in the same, uh, school right now. Mm. So now I know you wrote a young adult paranormal action mm. drama, do you call it? Why don't you tell yeah. us a little bit about the book, the title, basic premise and theme. And when you say paranormal, what exactly are, are we dealing it's like with? like paranormal, supernatural type of thing. There's vampires and werewolves and wizards mm. and stuff. Okay. Um, some occult things. It's sort of. Uh, it's called Veil Rising, and it's sort of a, a book that I've been working on for about 15 years now. Mm. Uh, 15 years ago is when I started thinking of the characters and starting coming up with the concept and what I wanted to hap happen in it. Um, but uh, 15 years ago, I was just such a terrible writer. Right. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you ever do that where you, you, you go back and you read the stuff that you wrote in like high school or even 10 years ago, and you're like, hmm. I'm glad I didn't show this to anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. The basic premise is there's this kid named Scott and he moves to a new school and you figure out pretty quickly that this isn't just like a normal everyday school. This is a school for kids with like superpowers or kids who have a, a sort of uh, paranormal ancestry. Like uh, there's, there's vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. Uh, as he sort of navigates this, he meets this girl named Riley, um, and they quickly fall for each other. And that sort of sets into motion the sequence of events where by the end of the book, he has to fight an evil wizard who's bent on bringing about the apocalypse. And in dealing with all of this, he's got to navigate relationships and friendships and homework, you know, typical high school stuff. Okay. And... What was the inspiration behind this? Uh, now, you said you started writing 15 years ago. So obviously, mm -hmm. this is way before you started having kids. So mm -hmm. they weren't the inspiration. We're, we no, always no, no. Uh, okay. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was a kid in high school. Um, in, in a lot of ways, uh, Scott and I share a lot of things in common. We're not definitely not the same person, but you know, your, your, your worldview affects the way you write, affects mm-hmm. your characters. Out of all of my characters, Scott is the one who's most like me. I guess the main inspiration was, you know, you watch shows like Supernatural and all this and, and you know, read comic books like Ghost Rider and stuff. And you have all these people who are fighting these forces of evil and they've got like, like Spawn, you know, they've got devilish powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what if you had like sort of more of a Constantine type of guy where it was, you know, getting your powers directly from God instead and see how that worked out. So I wanted to have like, I don't know, like a Christian main character in in a supernatural thing to see Mm. how that would work. And then I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought I would. Awesome. And was the paranormal always like a genre you kind of gravitated towards? And Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to want to write more fantastical, uh, especially uh, in the past, I've wanted to write more fantastical stuff. Um, I, I worked on a fantasy series for a little bit, but this is sort of the one that I, I really wanted to do. And and I like sort of adding mundane elements to fantastical stuff. What would it be like if, you know, these kids who have powers and stuff have to you know, pretend to be normal and do do all this stuff in in a a structured setting, but like, oh, you know, you've got these. Uh, there's, so there's two categories basically. There's custodians, who are the people who watch out after the sinners, mm. right? The sinners are 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 the shorthand for supernatural entities, right? Okay. Anything not not human or that has like extra normal abilities. Right. So like, for example, a healing factor or the ability to freeze time or whatever, there's no one in there that can freeze time, but (laughs) stuff like that, uh, you know, they have these custodians that sort of either, you know, stop them from going nuts and killing humans, uh, sort of like uh, horn rim glasses and heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but for like three seasons, he was horn rim glasses. So are these characters all they're all students so there's both good and bad students in this school there, there, there's there, i mean it's it's like regular high school everyone's a, a little bit good everyone's a little bit a jerk right. um <laughs> you know you've got a, a whole bevy of of characters you know you've got scott the main character who's you know headstrong but sort of naive and has to learn pretty quickly uh, you've got his best, uh, super loyal best friend, Tony, uh, girlfriend, Riley, who is popular girl, but nice. You know, her best friends are twins uh, who are completely different people. There's um, fan favorite Urchin, who's sort of like the embodiment of the trickster archetype. Mm. Like Loki, that type. Yeah, of- so it's sort of a, a Loki type of thing. He, he, he revels in in the chaos. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes he'll just throw a little bit tidbit of information and, and just sit back and watch it unfold and laugh, right? <laughs> uh, not in like an evil way, but in a mischievous way, mm-hmm. like he's always trying to get a reaction out of something. And then of course there's also, there's, there's adults cause you can't just have high school kids. And so there's adults, there's, you know, his dad, his uncles, there's the, all the teachers. And so it's this 
rich cast of characters. Um, and really my main, my main regret is that I decided to write it in first person. And so you really don't get to, I don't get to flesh out all of these other characters as much I see. because I'm focused on the one character. Cause I determined early on that I wanted to focus on the one character. And then I just sort of like, as soon as I was done with it, I looked back and I thought, Hmm, that was a mistake. <laughs> I know you have, uh, it has the pros and cons writing in third yeah. or first person, you know, first person, you can really get intimate with that character, the readers seeing their thoughts. And I find it, a for me, it's a little bit easier to write in first person that way, but then immediately the regret comes that you don't have the ability to, to get into these other characters, at least their heads, you know, you, you can, you have to kind of see it through the character's eyes and that's where your limitation is in, in first person. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to see it through the lens of that character. And I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. That was, it was sort of like a coping mechanism because I don't consider myself to be one of the great writers. You know, it's my first book ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't have like a degree or anything. I was just writing for fun. Um, and I definitely made it uh, first person because that way I could get away with more flaws in it. Because obviously in first person, you're going to have a flawed storyteller. Right. So I, I definitely <laughs> sort of thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll get away with it better. Um, right. It didn't work out that way. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a mistake being your, your first book. It wasn't a bad instinct to have, you know, to, yeah. to go and to first person. I know some writers and this, I, I would never be able to do just because it, to me, it's confusing, but some writers will write from different points of view in first person. And that I never liked that idea. Cause I um, feel I, that's I, always I, confusing. Yeah. I think it's called like the necromancer series does that every single mm. chapter is a different person. And I thought, wow, what a great concept. And right. I would <laughs> love to do that. And originally that's what I was going to do. And every, every voice was going to be, have a completely different voice. So like when, when Tony does his, his narration thing, it's like, okay, so check it out. I was going down this and, and you know, telling the story, like you would actually tell it like in an, uh, an oratory style. Not mm -hmm. necessarily like, oh, and then he walked down the street. He's like, so then I run up to him mm -hmm. and like, see what that was like. And I just gave up on that fairly early because I knew I didn't have the chops for that. Maybe right. later, <laughs> maybe, maybe in a few years, maybe after I've got some more books under my belt, um, I, I might try that, but that's now that's shooting too big. I feel <laughs> it's a, it's a tricky way to write. Cause then you have to make sure you have that person's voice down and it can't mm -hmm. sound that much like the last person you know has to has to be a distinguishable difference between uh the voice from voice to voice yeah is this is this your uh the first book in like a series or is this first book in a series yeah first book um, in a series okay uh the the two comments i usually get from people who i talk to about the book are when's the next one why haven't you already why isn't it already <laughs> out right um because that's clearly not the end uh, the other thing that I get is that, um, wow, that was like uh, reading a movie. Mm. That's which, not a bad comment. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've got I've got very little patience. I don't have a lot of time for like I can get like navel gazy stuff, but um, my favorite author is R. A. Salvatore, right? Legend Legend of Dritz stuff. But the thing I disliked, especially as a teenager was one of his favorite parts which was the the little he does these little mini essays mm -hmm. at the beginning of the parts of the book 
okay. uh, to sort of help you get into the, the headspace of Drizzt. And I didn't like those. And I still am not a huge fan of just like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, I understand the purpose of that. Me personally, it's not my favorite thing. I want more action. I want stuff to continue to happen. And so the pace of the book doesn't really slow down, even in the slow paced things. It's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of characters doing things. It's not a lot of, you know, three pages of, of me telling you exact histories of stuff. It's here's the information you need to know. Let's get on to the good stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't have a lot of patience for exposition and explaining stuff. And I hate prologues because I feel like it, that's what it sounds like. The, the author yeah, just, you're mentioning. Just get to like, the story, you know? Right. So I've only written novellas and short stories because that's where I'm comfortable with because I feel like uh, I, I'm not into the fluff, you know? So I don't like adding filler just to add filler. You know, I'm working on what I hope to be a novel, but but I'm not sure yet. <laughs> so it may end up being a shorter piece just because like you, I don't have the patience for all that exposition stuff. You know, when yeah. I'm outlining and doing all that stuff, I'm, I'm trying to get, you know, where are these characters from or whatever. But a lot of that information, I don't feel has to be in the story unless, unless it has to be in the story. You know, yeah, when I was, when I was doing the zero draft of this, it was literally, I'd have two, three pages per chapter. And I was just writing stuff down. And then I would mm -hmm. get through the first draft and I'm like, it doesn't really need much more, <laughs> you know, right. It was like, <laughs> no, it's two or three pages per chapter. It's got to be a little bit fucked up. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it's, it's like pulling teeth with me getting like superfluous details in. It's like, right. it's not important. Uh, my editor was like, you need to use a better word than beautiful. It's like, <laughs> it's the word that fine. I'm just going to throw a random word at pultricudeness. Yeah. <laughs> right. <There>. Done. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what that word is. What is that word? It literally just means beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> now you're making people have to whip out their dictionary now though, you know. <laughs> yeah. Which is a, another complaint I've 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 received with was uh, you know, uh, I've got a college reading level and I still had to pull out the dictionary for a couple of the words there and I was like Sorry, my grandma made me read the dictionary when I was growing up. Right. <laughs> Do you have? Did you have that word just ready there? Do you you have a big command of vocabulary there? Uh, I, I I do have a very large vocabulary, um, mostly because of my uh, my grandma. Like anytime I heard any word, and I was like, "What's that mean?" She's like, "Read the dictionary." So I read the dictionary, <laughs> and so I and we had one of those big thick Oxford. Mm -hmm. dictionaries that had like every word ever uttered by anybody ever. And so I spent hours going through that. So I've got a mm -hmm. fairly good vocabulary, but Pultricudinus came from thesaurus.com because I was, <laughs> I was just not having it. It wasn't a great day for me. And, and the editor is like, Oh, I want a better word than beautiful for this girl. <laughs> nah. Wow. I mean, it almost sounds like an insult. You know, like, like it doesn't sound yeah. beautiful at all, that word. <laughs> no, it does not. Um, like beautiful, the word beautiful has a nice flow to it. You know, mm -hmm. pultricutinous is just like, it's like yeah. something you would assign to Skeletor or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you said this is your first book. Is that when you first started writing this book or were you writing like short stories before that or? Well, I would write short stories. I grew up playing D&D &D and stuff and mm -hmm. I was one of those guys that would like, 
I, I would take notes during the session and I would just sort of fictionalize what happened in a way that could be read and I would give it to the, the guys every now and again. So I always liked writing. I loved reading growing up and that sort of led to, you know, that old saying, if the book you want to read doesn't exist, then I guess you'd better write it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would come up, I would think of stories and I, I learned to write as a sort of necessity to get these stories out because I love stories. I love reading. I love doing all this stuff. And so it, it was sort of like, if it's a thing that I could have gotten paid for, it's definitely a thing that I would have tried to do as a career. I think the chances of me getting paid for it were great, though. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take the time to let you know about my latest book. It's called Massimo's Mirror and Other Stories. It's my first collection of short stories. The book uses fantasy, science fiction, and fairy tales to create a world where a magical array of protagonists conquer their fears, battle forces of evil, and step up to meet their potential. Suitable for the secular and religious alike, these stories are full of symbolism and quirky characters, including aliens, robots, angels, demons, superheroes, gods, animals, giants, monsters, and dragons, and just the right length to hold the attention of children and adults alike. All 50 stories are crafted to entertain and make us see behind the veil of reality and perhaps teach something along the way. The ebook and paperback editions are available on Amazon. You can purchase an autographed copy on my website, storykingbooks.com. Also, if you sign up on Story King Books with your email, you'll get a free copy of my latest PDF resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. And now back to today's episode. I want to get on a little rabbit trail. You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. I had friends that played it, but I never played it myself. But mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated by the idea of this role-playing game. And even now when I see it at Target and the different cards and stuff you could buy, can you just walk us through Dungeons and Dragons a little bit? And it, does that also help an author? Because it's all imagination, right? Or you have certain rules. Like, how does that game even work? I mean, honestly, it's a thing that really helps a lot of things. I, I know people who have done D Dungeons and Dragons to help with their improv acting skills. Hmm. So I grew up with my grandparents. My grandpa was very much a nerd. And he was like, okay, socializing is fine and all, but I don't know that I want you playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, no, but there's a lot of math involved. <laughs> and, and so it'll help me with my math. And it ended up helping me with my math. It really did. Because um, you have to determine length and you have to determine, you know, your bonuses. Okay, I've got this much bonus, this much penalty. Okay, I crit. Now that's one and a half times. What's one and a half times 30? Okay, I do 45 damage. You know, you can then do that in your head. It helps coming up with stories for for characters and the character Scott, um, well, technically Scott's dad, came from a D&D type game called uh, D20 Modern. And so you develop the characters and especially as, like, as a writer, one of the things you can do is write letters to your characters mm. um, to get to know your characters. And playing the, your character as a D&D character is a great way to get to know your character because they're, they're faced with all sorts of like silly situations, right? You know, what, what, how is this character going to react when he's attacked by a dragon? You know, how's this gonna, character going to react when he gets confronted with this huge moral choice? You get to know your character. So it's really good for that. 
it, it's good, like in practice, if you do like what I did, which was take notes and then try and write it out, you know, it's, it's, it's good sort of like little uh, prompts, mm. they're good little writing prompts. So, yeah, I mean, uh, for writers, for actors, for math people, for English people, like it, it, it helps with a lot of stuff. I know, especially now that I'm older, I know a lot of teachers and a lot of teachers use D&D as a learning resource. And Wizards has gotten wind of this, and they, uh, especially with D&D 5th edition, they've really upped the public relations aspect of it being a learning tool. Hmm. You know, because in the 80s, you had D&D as satanic and is probably going to lead you straight to hell or whatever, right. <laughs> which is interesting for a Christian to then like literally all of the guys that I played with were like Christians. Right. So, you know, that, that, that was sort of a different experience, I guess. But and, and then it sort of evolved. And now, like with with things like Critical Role and it's entering popular culture with really famous uh, actors you know, playing and doing all this stuff, it's, it's, it's really increased its reach. And I think that's really good because I think it, it's like, you know, when you were a kid and you would role play doing cops and robbers or, you know, playing house, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then someone would be like, now I've got this power. It just takes that away. It, it just, instead of, oh, I'm going to do whatever I want. Now there's dice involved. Okay. And rules and limitations and rules and limitations are really good motivators for stories, I'm going to say. And now you mentioned, because I remember that too, uh, growing up, the whole satanic aspect of it. But like, Christians have always been leery. I, I grew up as, as well, Christian environment. And uh, that was the same thing too. Later on, people had their suspicions against Harry Potter, you know, anything that deals with the occult. Yeah. Uh, it takes a while for Christians to uh, <laughs> to 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 sort of uh, embrace it and and see what it's about. So, is that the reason to your grandfather wasn't keen on you? Uh, my my, my grandfather dragons? wasn't really religious. He just thought it was going to take time away from my studies. Oh, okay. I'm I'm a very different person than him. I didn't have time for studying. I would rather be out roughhousing and playing. And he thought sweating was for peasants. Right. <laughs> so like the only athletic thing he would let me do was I, I was on the YMCA swimming team. And then he he made me be in marching band, which I was not a big fan of, mostly because everybody in band sort of hated me. Right. <laughs> Why would they hate you <laughs> in marching band? <laughs> and I'd, if you'd met me, you'd know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't have the, the strong personality I had back then. So I was just this gangly, awkward kid that like, liked three things and nothing else. Okay. I wasn't good at talking to people back then. They didn't have ASD aut autism spectrum disorder. Mm. It was either you were autistic or you were like nonverbal or you were autistic and nonverbal, or you just, you weren't aut autistic. And so mm -hmm. they said I had ADHD, which I guess I did as well. But uh, my, my son who exhibits every single symptom I had, they said, no, that's not ADHD, that's autism. Hmm. And I went, huh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I would, I would literally, I, I'm really good at reading people. I maxed out my ranks in sense motive. Uh, and that's solely because I would sit back and watch people. Like I wouldn't participate in conversations. I would, I would sit there at the edge of the conversation and watch and observe them and, and try and make like assumptions based on that. And mm. so that plus the fact that I watched a lot of movies it, it is why, you know, I, I can sort of read people even as well as I can. Like, cause one of the markers of autism is usually a lack of being able to understand things. I, however, am fluent in sarcasm. Right. <laughs> nice. All right. So let me ask you just last question on Dungeons mm -hmm. and Dragons. Is it difficult to learn and get into? Depends. Some, there are some games that are really involved and there are a lot of games that just aren't. It's pick up and play. Fifth edition D&D is really good at pick up and play stuff. You have to understand a couple concepts. You have to understand what a d20 is you have to you know fill out your character sheet and then really all of the calculations and stuff are gone uh, are done like you just roll the d20 and add that result right there's not so so my favorite the one i play is pathfinder and that one's a little bit more involved rules wise uh fifth edition dnd like is a great game to start out with because it's fairly rules light and as you go on you can learn more rules um my my suggestion is get get yourself a good dm that's going to help you learn as you go because that's the easier way to do it so just pick up the book make your character uh using you know whatever sources you have and then you know as you go can i do this can i do this and just ask can I do this? How would I do this? Oh, well, I want to climb up the wall. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to make an athletics check. Roll the D20, add your athletics modifier. Okay. And it's and like, oh, did the thing hit me? Well, he rolled that number, check against your AC. And how long does a game typically last? Uh, anywhere between two hours to I've played D&D for eight. Eight hours. That's not even the longest amongst all of my friends. <laughs> so it could be quite quite a long game and how old do you have to be to play these i started at 12 okay so i would say 11 to 12 uh because since it's not it's just as long as you can do math and as long as you can keep characters in your head and as long as you can remember rules you're good to go because your gm can always if, if, if he's playing with kids, he can always lighten it up. If the game calls for a bunch of blood and gore and, you know, adult themes, you can always cut those out because it's a customizable game. That's sort of the, the main thing. It's like, you know, you playing Mass Effect and you're like, boy, I wish I could jump up to that ledge. Well, in D&D, you can go anywhere, do anything, as long as your character is able to make the skill checks or the attack rolls. Okay. You, it doesn't have great graphics, but the DM is able to, you know, expand the world as much as he needs to. So that way you can do whatever you can talk to any of the NPCs and they don't just give you the same fallout for automated responses. Right. 
yeah, I mean, I have three boys, so every time I pass it in the store, I'm, I'm like, I really, I've been curious about Dungeons and Dragons my whole life, and I've never played it, so I was just, uh, just wondering. So that my my boys are ages seven, eleven, and one almost thirteen. Yeah, that's that's a good good age to start playing. Right. You know, just grab the player's handbook and read it, and that's really all you need. Okay. Most of this stuff can be found free online at this point. Okay. Uh, legally, I might add. Right. So, so, so like Wizards and Paizo both have SRDs, uh, resource documents. They, they, they've okay. got just about all of their books cataloged on a website that you can just... I, I think Wizards has the Monster Manual in the Player's Handbook. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure they have the Monster Manual in the, the Player's Handbook all of the resources that you need to learn to play for free online. And how many so, different uh, versions of the game are there? So we'll start with uh, Chainmail, which was sort of proto D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. um, then Gary Gygax met with Dan Arnett, and they introduced the role-playing aspect of it. They came up with Dungeons and Dragons, which ended up being like a bundle of like five books. And then they've got second edition, with AD&D and then in the late 90s, late, late 90s, they came out with third edition and then almost immediately upgraded to 3.5. And then they rather unpopularly went to fourth edition D&D. And when they went to fourth edition D&D, the guys who used to publish the Dungeon and Dragon magazine uh, decided to come up with their own game system using the OGL, Original Gaming License which allowed people to use the, the D20 system for free. And so they created Pathfinder. And so that sort of ended up being an offshoot. Then after fourth, they created D&D fifth. And that's the one you recommend people to start with. I recommend, I generally recommend people to start with fifth. Okay. It's the most beginner friendly. I prefer Pathfinder first edition but it's not as beginner friendly. There's too many, there's, there's so many rules okay. and so many numbers and so many things. And, and in, you know, fifth edition D and D it's, it's less, Oh, I'm going to get a plus three bonus for doing this thing. It's okay. Roll two D twenties and you take advantage, which means you pick the highest one or you roll disadvantage. Okay. So now you roll two D twenties and pick the lowest one. And that's 90% of the game. Gotcha. All right. I will definitely check that out. Now, what are some of you mentioned one favorite author of yours? Do you have mm -hmm. any other favorite books, authors, movies, directors? I like the Harry Potter stuff, which wasn't a popular thing amongst my friends in high school. And it's kind of a funny story because I was making fun of Harry Potter too. And my aunt said, well, you haven't read it. So why are you making fun of it? You should at least read it. And I said, fine. I'll read it. Here's a free copy from the library. I'll read it. And then I'll make fun of it. And I read it. And then I looked up and it was five hours later and I was seven chapters in and I was like, oh, I might actually like this book. So I like that. I'm big into Tolkien, mm. although I don't like his writing style as much. It's a little dry but the content is great the the, the stories and and the work that he's clearly put into it but it's it's written a lot like the bible and i think that was intentional mm. 
um, more like a textbook than something like C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, which is mm -hmm. another thing I like. I, I liked a lot of uh, Joss Whedon's earlier stuff, Buffy, Firefly, that sort of era, not necessarily a lot of his later or earlier stuff. I like Edgar Wright movies. Um, just because they're, 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 they all seem so uh, unique and inventive, you know, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, even though he, it's clear, it's an adapted thing from a great story, uh, but it is adapted and he still managed to make it just like, it, he managed to capture the absolute feel of the comics. And I love that, you know, the, the Cornetto trilogy, stuff like that. Talk about Inside Joke. What exactly is a cross-platform production company? What kind of things do you do at Inside Joke? So uh, Inside Joke uh, is a cross-platform thing, mostly because I don't like filling out paperwork and I didn't feel like making multiple LLCs. <laughs> you know, that that's sort of what I produce my books under, what I do any YouTube videos, what I do my podcast under. So, so that's what, what that is. It's, it, it's cross media because, you know, I, I might want to do audiobooks. I might want to start making movies and it's, I want to put it all under the same umbrella. Uh, so that way it's easier to keep track of. Gotcha. I, I do the same thing with story King books. It's something that my podcast, my books, everything is, is under that. It's a, uh, the umbrella yeah. brand, I guess you could say now. For people who want to write, create, tell stories in different mediums, and maybe mm -hmm. they're just starting out, what advice would you give to those people? Start writing. Remember that you don't have to write for anybody but yourself. And the backspace key exists. <laughs> um, you can highlight huge sections and press delete if you don't like it. Right. But just start writing. The more you write, the better you're going to be at it. It's just like doing anything else. Don't don't sit there and go, oh, well, I did this and it's not very good. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you what, I'll bet your favorite painter didn't like the first thing that they ever drew. Great point. You know, that's 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 it's for yourself. And especially if you write for yourself, you're going to like what you write eventually. Is it some advice I got from one of the master classes was uh when you reread your book and you can't fix any of the problems that you find. That's when you know it's done. Right. You know, you're always going to find problems with what you write. It's, it's, it's an artist's curse. You're always going to find <laughs> right. more imperfections in your stuff than anybody else. And if you don't, then it's because you've got a problem and can't find problems. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that's my best advice. It's the advice that I give. Just do the art do the thing uh sucking at something is the first step to being great at it just bob ross it you know happy right. little accidents <laughs> what is it there is a there is a line that doesn't appear in the book but i'm sad about that because the part had to get cut but that that came out of an accident and it was one of my favorite things because you know scott's mom is trying to wake him up and it ended up being a boring way to start the book so i cut it but Scott's mom is trying to wake up and she goes, I'm going to come back with a bucket. And my cousin went, a bucket of what? And I was like, all right, that's going in, you know? <laughs> I, lo I love that line. Sucking at something is the first step at being great at it. That's a good tweet. Yeah, that's, uh, I, think that's, I think that's from Adventure Time. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't watch it. My son watched it and I heard it. 
So it's a great line. Here's just a fun question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? See, that's dangerous. Because <laughs> immediately my thought would be telekinesis, but then I would get even fatter. Because <laughs> I would never stand up. I would always just be like, and remote. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's my immediate answer is gonna be is gonna be telekinesis. Hmm. But that's also probably the worst answer because it would be the worst for me. <laughs> I would, I would, I would be such a bad Jedi, especially in traffic. Right. <laughs> You're like, get out of the way. Yank. <laughs> yeah. Cars flying everywhere. Yeah. Late for work. It's a good one. Nobody said that. I've been asking all my guests and everybody has had a different answer so far. I probably asked about seven people. Well, you've got to remember that there's, there's superpowers in my book. So I do often think about it. Right. Well, that's why I figured you'd be a great person to ask. I got one more fun question. Mm. Unless you want to, do you want to give another superpower? We're going to land on telekinesis. I would give another superpower, but it would give away something from the book. So I don't want. All right. Gotcha. We'll stick with the telekinesis. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, what would you tell your teenage self? Join the Air Force. Really? Yeah. It was a thing that I had been questioning when I was. 19 or 20, I think I was 20. And I finally lost enough weight. I, I was about to get into the air force and I had just met my soon to be wife. And she said, well, I'm not going to wait for you because I've got class, you know, so I can't go, you know, follow you across bases. And I don't really like, we had just started dating. And so she wasn't about to give up her life to like follow me anywhere. And she didn't want to do a long distance relationship. Like three, she didn't want to like be dating for three months and then have six months of me gone. Right. Right. So she wasn't going to put up with it. But I think in retrospect, knowing her for now like 17 years, I think she totally would have. So I, I would have joined the Air Force. Um, that's always been one of my big regrets is that I didn't serve in the armed forces. Hmm. You come from a family that served in the armed forces? Uh, yeah. Every generation has at least one person. My grandpa and my dad were both in the Coast Guard, though my dad got kicked out for having flat feet. Oh. He got medical discharge for having flat feet. And he, he, he signed up for the Coast Guard because he graduated high school in, like in, in the early 70s or no, late 60s. So if he got out of high school and wasn't signed up, then he was going to get drafted. You know, he was the oldest son of a large family. He was getting drafted. And so, you know, my, my grandpa told him, you're going to have to serve one way or another. Sign up now so that way you can determine how you're going to do it, because otherwise they're going to put you in the Marines. And so he signed up for the Coast Guard because his dad was in the Coast Guard in World War II. Uh, so, yeah. And then I didn't because... I was young and wanted to be next to a girl because girls didn't really pay attention to me at that point. So. So that's what you would tell your teenage self. Mm -hmm. Now, if people wanted to buy your book, Joshua, maybe follow you online, see what you're up to, where can they go about doing that? Well, the book is on Amazon, okay. um, on the Kindle store, Veil Rising by Joshua M. Moore. If you just look up, Veil Rising, there's another guy who 
who came out with his book while mine was in production and also named the first book of his series, Bale Rising. And oh, that's wow. a science fiction series. Mm. It's very different. And I try not to keep take it personally because <laughs> he probably didn't know, but I had literally changed the name from Veil Wars to Veil Rising because there was another guy who had a series called Veil Wars. So <laughs> tough to come up with original like, names. <laughs> and so I, I produced and I was like, but there's always, or whatever, I don't care. Just <laughs> out with it. No, too, too late. I've already come up with the name. I've already done all the marketing. Just go. There's if if you look up Veil Rising on Facebook, uh, you can you can follow the 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 book's Facebook thing, or at Veil Rising Story on Twitter. Awesome! I'm gonna make sure I have all the links in the show notes. Joshua, thank you for coming on the Story King podcast and sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. So that was my conversation with Joshua Moore. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. All of his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then. Until then.